Are you ready for God's word? How many need a word from God today? Come on, how many came for a word? Come on, where's our expectation? Like, I'm wanting God to speak to me today. I'm wanting God to change my life today. I just didn't come just to, to be here, but I came expecting God to do something, expecting God to change my life, expecting a miracle. Amen. How many are with me on that? I'm telling you. I'm telling you. All right, well, grab whatever copy of God's Word that you, you have, and uh, and let me just brag on our students, and Pastor Jacob, I had the opportunity to speak in students uh, this last Wednesday, and uh, when I said, hey, how many of you brought a Bible? Do you know every one of them had a Bible? Like an analog, turn pages, hear it go, Bible, and a notebook to take notes. I, f- I fell out under the power of God right there. Just, <laughs> Lord Jesus, I've made it to heaven. So I just, I don't say that to make you feel bad, but if it does, change it. Anyways, um, I just, <laughs> no, but I was just proud. I'm proud of Pastor Jada, proud of our teenagers. It was so much fun to hang out with them. And, uh, but anyways, grab your Bible, grab your copy of God's Word, turn or click. Hey, if you're online, thank you so much for joining us, being a part. You get a copy of God's Word. You may be in your living room, you may be, you know, I mean, if you're driving down the road, no. But everybody else, get a copy of God's Word. And we've been in a series of messages called Without Fail, and we're talking about the power of the Word of God and how God's Word is life-giving and transforming and powerful. And um, there's something I want to talk about today that I think is mostly just application, but it's so stirred up in my heart over the last few months that I've been waiting. Like, I couldn't sleep last night. I don't know what y'all do on Saturday nights, uh, but the kids and I, you know, we watched uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Somebody, can I get an amen? He's marvel. Come on. And so, uh, so, and then we all, they all went to bed and I went and laid in the bed and, and, and then I kept thinking about what we're going to talk about today. It's hard to sleep. And then I woke my alarm clock up this morning because I was afraid it was going to oversleep and we were going to miss church. And so I, I'm excited about what I want to, what I have to share with you. And so and we're going to be in Romans chapter 10 together, Romans chapter 10. Uh, in the series Without Fail, talking about how we can build a life that will stand and will not fail. And it's a life based on the Word of God. So Romans chapter 10, uh, I told you last week, because we were in Romans last week, but Paul is writing to unify the church at Rome, which is made up of Jews and Gentiles. And the Jews had been forced out of Rome by Claudius for five years, and they came back. The Gentiles were left in charge of church. Gentiles do what Gentiles do. They'd messed up church completely. And now the Jews are back, and they're trying to figure out how do we even get saved? and what, how do we even do church and do the dietary laws matter for Gentiles or not and all these types of things. And so Paul is writing to unify them and it's one of just the most powerful in, in capsules just covering all the bases of the gospel. I love the book of Romans. Uh, but uh, Romans chapter 10, verse six is where we're gonna be. It says, but the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will ascend in the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. If you confess with your mouth, verse 9, 
The Lord Jesus, that's a Pentecostal trick. I don't know if y'all know this, but you go back to the verse you're about to talk about after you read the whole text. It's a pre, if you're going to just preach a trick is if you need them because they teach you that in Bible school. If you go, but because if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved for with the heart. One believes and is justified and with the mouth. One confesses and is saved and is saved. Um, I call this message speak for yourself. Speak for yourself. Can we pray? Holy Spirit, you speak for yourself. The word that we need to hear. God, anoint the words. God, anoint our hearts to receive them. God, let them never, we don't ever want to be the same after today, God. That's our expectation in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Um, when most of the time when people quote or look at Romans 10, 9 and 10, they quote it around the concept of what we would say being saved or being born again, that, that Jesus talks to Nicodemus out in John chapter three, he said, you must be born again. Nicodemus is like, well, I can't go back into my mother's womb. And you know, these are weird conversations with Jesus, but he's like, no, I'm not talking about being born of flesh. I'm talking about being born again of the spirit. We would call that being saved, being made right with God. That's the context here, the righteousness of faith, the righteousness of faith, that we are made right with God by faith. And But I want you to understand the concept of Romans 10, 9, and 10 is not completely limited to or relegated to the concept of being made right with God. That it is a principle. It is, it is, it is a, a, it's, it's a modus operandi of the kingdom that, that speaks to us about how God works in and through our lives to bring his kingdom, to bring his provision. And so I, I, most of the time when we read this, we say, oh yeah, you know, if, if you'll, you know, believe in your heart that, you know, and confess with your mouth, then, then you'll be saved. The word saved here kind of like we talked about last week, Romans 1, 6, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation for, the, for everyone who believes in you first and the Gentile, the power of God unto salvation, this word saved, the, the root word, sozo, which that is the Greek equivalent to the Hebrew word shalom, and it's an all-encompassing wholeness and blessing. So it's safety, it's provision, it's health, it's wellness, it's wholeness, it's perseverance, it's, it's all of those things. And so there again, it, it, when Paul is writing to the Roman church, Jews and Greeks, what he is telling them is he's like, hey, this is more than just salvation. They would have known by the word that he used that he is applying and he, or explaining um, how the kingdom of God works and how the provision of God and what God has provided comes in and to and through our lives. And this is the principle, really, that he's teaching. Because if you notice, when we look back, he said, the righteousness of the faith says, don't say in your heart. What does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, right? The word of faith we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, right? And with your heart, you believe. And if with your mouth, confession is made. So the context now he's talking about, he's talking about what we say. And what I want to talk to you about today is I've been talking about the word of God and how powerful the word of God is, but I want to talk to you today about what you say. Yes, Lord. Every time it does that, I forget who I am for 30 seconds. But anyways, because I always think that was the end and I wait for the angels to take me. 
thank God for sound systems. Amen. Um, more than that, thank God for the TA serve team. Amen. Thank God for those guys. Um, but, but, um, but I want to talk to you about the power of our words. I want to talk to you about your words. And so three things, you can write these down. Uh, we'll go to work together here. Number one is words are containers that we fill. Words are containers that we feel. Uh, Romans 10, verse 6, it says, But the righteousness that is of faith, but the righteousness that is of, of faith. That, that, so, so now Paul's talking about being made right with God. And, and just so you understand the context, because he's kind of given us this platform to work from, because he's saying this is how you're made right. But listen, the kingdom's number one agenda is to make everything right. That's what the kingdom does. It makes things right. It makes you right, and then it makes your life right, and it makes things in your life right, and it wants everything to be right. And so the platform is the righteousness that is by, in other words, right standing with God. So we first got to understand right standing with God is by faith in grace, right? Not saved by works, but it's by faith in grace. And so, so just sidebar, so you understand when he's talking about you can't ascend to heaven, you can't go down. In other words, you're not saved because you can get to God and you're not saved because you can bring God to you. You're saved because of what Jesus did and you believed it. So you're not saved by works. You're not saved by your effort. You're not made. Listen to me. You are not made right with God by what you do. You are made right with God by who you believe. You've got to understand that or you will always struggle in your relationship with God because you will think when I'm good, God's happy with me. And when I'm bad, God's mad at me. And when I'm good, I can expect something great from God. And when I'm bad, God's out to get me and kill me and whatever. No, 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 no. Your, your relationship with God is held by Christ in his grace and you benefit and receive and enter into it by believing that what Jesus did is enough. What you do will never be enough. What he did is enough. All right, so you got to start there. Anytime, listen, it is hard to have faith apart from understanding grace. Because grace tells me what to believe, all the good. Right? Are you with me? So I know you are, praise God. <laughs> So, so words are containers. So the righteousness, that is a faith. So the context is faith. The context is faith. In the kingdom of God, you can't get any, you really, I, faith, I mean, that is, is about as deep as you need to go. I, I, don't, I hate to say that because I'll get criticized for saying that. Um, it's, it's just nothing in the kingdom works without faith. How about that? Now, I can say that, and that's fair, and you can't criticize it. Well, you can, because apparently you can criticize anything. But anyways, you, you can't get past faith because everything, listen to me, everything that God has provided, starting with salvation and moving into peace or um, any type of prosperity or wholeness or health or healing, all of it comes one way, by faith. Or through faith, by grace, through faith. It's the way the whole kingdom works, by grace, through faith. It's the way the provision of God comes to your life, by His grace, through faith. Faith is the conduit that moves the provision of heaven into the lack of earth. So whatever you're lacking today, faith is necessary. 
Because I promise if you study the Word of God, Jesus paid for it. Remember, Jesus didn't pay for less than what mankind lost. Sin is not more powerful than the blood of Jesus. Sin is not, death is not more powerful than resurrection life. And so the idea that, that Adam lost everything in the fall and Jesus really doesn't have an answer for it except to rescue us out of here is not even the concept of salvation. We talked about that last week. You should go listen to that message. And so the truth of the matter is, though, that everything that God wants to do in and through our life, all the provision of heaven, what God wants to bring to us, uh, uh, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So back up. Let me pause for a minute. Remember, now these are writings that are under the covenant of grace, not under the covenant of law, because most people see the word please God, and you back up and you say, oh yeah, this is, I got to do all the right stuff, and if I do all the right stuff. It is true that faith always produces obedience, and obedience is always a lack of faith, but this is not a works gospel. The writings of Hebrews is talking about the benefit of a new covenant, the, the better, better promises and better benefits of the new covenant of grace rather than the old covenant of law. I know I'm doing a lot of teaching, but it's going to help in the end, okay? And so he said, so, so anyways, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? Because those that come to God must, number one, believe that he is. That's where we all start. I believe God is God. I believe I'm not. I believe God is, right? And most people, here's the problem is, most people I shouldn't say most, some people, there have been people that they stopped the application of faith right there. Well, I believe God. But that's not where the verse stopped. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because those that believe God or come to God must believe that he is and, and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. There's something God wants you to believe him, but he also wants you to believe something about him. And he wants you to believe that he's God, but he also wants you to believe that he's a rewarder. Now, the word rewarder is actually a compound word of two Greek words, which means to pay wages or to grant or give. So it's a grace terminology. In other words, it's to grant you wages you didn't earn. That's what a reward is. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? Because God is pleased when I receive things I didn't earn. Well, I don't know. I think you need to earn it. Well, you go work and you earn your salvation and let me know how that works out for you. Because I'm pretty sure, again, if it applies to salvation, it's a kingdom principle that applies to everything God paid for. And we don't earn a salvation. We receive and God is pleased when we receive salvation. The righteousness that is of faith. Those, listen, not only that, John said, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And, and what is the victory? This is the victory. Is 1 John 5, 4. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our... Isn't that crazy? He could have put anything in there, but the only thing he said that would be victorious enough to overcome the world was faith. How do you overcome the world? Faith. How do you overcome depression? Faith. How do you overcome lack? How do you overcome anxiety? How do you win? Faith. So you can't get past faith because faith is the conduit through which the kingdom comes. Are you with me? I'm not trying to make it a work. I'm trying to explain how it works. And you can make faith a work.
Because you can start saying, well, if I have X amount of faith or do this, then God has, no, you've made it a work. Faith is there so you'll receive grace. So the focus has to stay on him and not on you. Once the focus is on you, you're now into works and, and it doesn't profit you. This is really good, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I do say so myself. They used, I grew up with preachers. They preached for a while, and they say, I'm about to preach myself happy. I never really understood that until I started preaching. <laughs> and then I said, you know, I feel better now that I've been preaching a few minutes. I... <laughs> and so then, fall, so the context here is righteous by faith. Paul's talking about faith. But then look, then, then look, and he connects faith with words. The righteous that is of faith says, did you know faith talks? And so does fear. Yeah. You don't believe fear talks? Tune into the news this evening. <laughs> I'm filtering. <laughs> and what I'm filtering was funny, but it's just between me and the Lord. <laughs> yeah, anyways, but listen to me, words are containers and Paul connects faith with words. There are only two ways. Now think about this faith for faith to accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. Faith has to be released. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, James said faith without works dead. Why? Because it doesn't do anything. It's resident, but not active. It's potential, but not kinetic. It's there, but it's not working. And faith that isn't working doesn't do anything. It just sits there. The way you came into the kingdom is you had faith and you put it to work. I believed in my heart and I confessed with my mouth and I received this great gift of salvation. You see that? But you know, there's two ways to release faith according to your Bible. Works and words. Works and words. It's the, th th this is what he said. I mean, we're reading this. The righteous that of faith says, right? Do not say in your heart. In other words, you're going to say something in your heart and you're going to have to confess something with your mouth. The way you release. Now, I want you to think about this. After this service just because I know me pretty well. I've lived with me a few years. I'm going to be hungry. I am. I am. And when I get done, I'll think to myself, self, you are hungry. And we're going to go somewhere and we're going to eat food because that's what hungry people need to do. You know what's amazing, though? I'm blessed and I'm blessed. I have a bank account. That bank account has some money in it. But did you know, in order for that money to turn into chicken, it has to be released? Amen. You know it's going to be chicken because I'm a preacher. That's how I knew I was called into the ministry. I started craving fried chicken every Sunday. I wanted to drive a Cadillac. I wanted to eat fried chicken. And I just wanted to work one day a week. That's how I knew I was called. Into... 
Y'all settle down. But the, but the point is, I could starve to death with money in my account when there's chicken available, but in order to have chicken, I've got to release money so I can have chicken. And I'm telling you to, to receive the benefits of God's kingdom, what God wants for you. You've got to release faith because it is the currency of heaven. And my concern is a lot of people, they, without faith, it's impossible to please God because those that come to him must believe that he is. And you are there. You, oh, I believe that he is. And you do. And you believe it. And you're a believer. But I'm asking you, but do you believe that he's a rewarder? Did you, did, because the same faith you used here has to be used over here. The faith where healing comes is the same faith through which salvation came. Are, are you with me? And so words, words then are containers that we feel. Let me show you what Jesus said. This is, this is Luke chapter six, verse 45. It says, this is Jesus, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart. So he's talking about pathway people, good people with good treasure in their heart. They produce good. So I know he's talking about pathway people because they produce good. But then there are other people. And he said, then the evil people out of the evil treasures of their heart produce evil. But now I want you to look, he's going to tell you how it happens. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How did the good that was in here get out here? My mouth spoke it. How did the bad that was in here get out here? My mouth spoke. Words then are containers that my heart feels and my mouth confesses. And I can fill them with fear or I can fill them with faith, but they will be filled with something. Words will be filled with something. Your words, listen, have you ever got around somebody and you were in a good mood till they opened their mouth? Don't look at them if they're in here. Don't do that. No elbows. Sometimes I say something and I'll see husband's heads and it's because they got... But the truth of it was because they couldn't idly speak words. They were speaking and those words were filled. And you thought, you know, I haven't been worried about that disease till I got around them. And now I think I may have it. I'm calling my doctor to see if I can. I've got to go have a test right now. Isn't it true, though? I've never even known I needed to be scared about that until I got around them. Never dealt with depression until I talked to him on the phone for 30 minutes. Because work, and then have you ever been around somebody and you left think, I'll tell you, I feel, I hang out with that guy more often. I just feel better. I just, I didn't know I was so, I didn't know I was so extraordinary until I got around him and he told me. Because words are, now let me ask you, which one do you want to be? I mean, words, they're containers that your heart feels and your mouth speaks. Here's the second thing. Speech isn't free. I know it used to be. (laughs) 
I just filtered again. But anyway, speech isn't free. But there's a spiritual principle that says, I got to hurry. Y'all got to, shh, shh, hey, shh. <laughs> um, speech isn't free. Why? Because every word's filled with something. It's, it's speech. Listen, speech is free. Look, Romans 10, 8 says, what does it say? The word that is near you in your mouth, in your heart, the word that is the word of faith that we proclaim. In other words, Paul is trying to, he's trying to tell them, you've got to say something. And what he's saying is the reason you have to say it is because when you say it, it does something. There are consequences to what you say. Why? Because every word's filled with something. And so you, you don't just speak freely, Right. He, he said, you have the word. Look, this is what he said. The word is near you. You have it. The word's even in your mouth. And then he says, but you have to say it. You have to speak for yourself. You have to say it. Are you with me? How is faith released? Works and words. And he's saying, hey, you have to say it. Listen, he said, the righteousness that is by faith says... So why don't you think about this? We are made right with God if you believe and confess. You're made right with God by what you believe and confess. Let me shorten that down. You're made right by what you, what you say. Okay, let me put it the other way. Does that mean you could be made wrong by what you say? Could it be a tactic of the enemy is to try to get you to use the power of your words against you? Because no one can curse your life better than you. Are you with me? And, and he will use circumstance and situation and he'll use what you're going through. And he is trying to gain access to your tongue because he doesn't have one that's in the natural realm. He cannot speak a curse without somebody's tongue. I feel like I'm firing on all cylinders today. It may just be a four-cylinder, but it's all four. <laughs> There's consequences to what you say. Proverbs 18, 20. Check this out. A man's stomach will be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. You will eat your words. From the produce of his lips, he will be filled. Now look at this, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I think without doing any harm to King Solomon's intent here, I think you could say death and life are in the power of words. I'm going to go one farther because he lived then and I live now. Death and life are in the power of the post. Right? No, you can't post freely either. Amen. You can't speak freely. Why? Because words are powerful. Words are powerful. Words affect, affect our life. Listen, I know we say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never. But no one really believes that because we were all hurt by words. Words will crush the spirit. I'd say, you know, with what I walked through, and you know, and I'm not going to talk about it, 
but, but we had to turn the comments off and they had to limit my social media where people couldn't make comments because people who didn't know me, didn't know the situation, knew none of the facts, but because I have a position and a platform that's public, felt it was necessary for them to curse and make judgments about me without even knowing me. Or about, and, and you know what was crazy to me? I remember I saw a, a post on our church YouTube because that's obviously the best place <laughs> to attack the preacher is on the church YouTube account. Because you don't have a spine to call him in public and talk to him about it. And you don't have wisdom to shut up about things you don't know anything about. I don't know if I was supposed to say all that, but it sure felt good. And here's the thing. This person's a nobody. I don't know them. Probably never met them. They don't know me. And I remember I read that comment. Now, there are hundreds of people that were blessed by that message. People are still watching that message. But I know which one it was, and I know the comment that was on there. It's had hundreds of views. And you know what? No matter how many people said that was one of the best messages, all I could think about was what that num-num had to say. So you can't tell me words aren't powerful. I don't know them and don't care about them. I mean, I love them with the love of the Lord, brother. But, but, but y'all pray for me, okay? Just pray for me. But I'm just, I, you know what? I'm just going to be me and be honest. And I hope that if it offends you, I really am sorry. I'd never want to offend anybody. And if you're the num-num, I want you to know I love you. But anyways, um, but, you know, I mean, haters going to hate. Come on, Tay-Tay. Um, the psalmist Taylor Swift said, you got to shake it off, shake it off, you know. And, and, and so, I, you know, but it just amazed me that there are no out of words. And I thought about this. Here's the thought I had. If someone I don't even know that doesn't even know me can make those words and it impact me the way it did, then how much more do my words impact people that actually know me and I know them and they might even care about my opinion. That's right. That's right. I can't tell you how many posts I've done one of those and then deleted that thing because I'm like, no, I don't need to post that. That's not the Lord. That was Marty. But your words, listen, your words impact your life. Proverbs 6 says you're snared by the words of your mouth. 1 Peter 3.10 says, for whoever desires to love life and see good days. Now, how many want to love life and see good days? Here's what he said. Then let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. That was his, that was his recipe for loving life and seeing good days. Basically, shut your mouth. You know what I mean? It's like, thank you, Peter. And I think Peter, by the way, knew what that was like because he, he had foot and mouth disease. God told Peter to shut up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Literally, Jesus is transfigured. God comes down. Elijah and Moses are there. Here's Peter. Lord! It's good for us to be here. And a voice comes from heaven and says, this is my son, hear him. In other words, Peter, not a time for you to talk. Shut your mouth. But your words affect your life. Your words affect others. We talked about this, but here's your verse, Proverbs 18, I'm sorry, 12, 18. says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. Rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The Lord had to deal with me one time because I have a gift for sarcasm. And I really am working on it uh, because I don't want to offend anybody, but sometimes it's just funny, you know. Um, but uh, but I, I remember my oldest son, uh, he's a little guy, and he's just always been kind of well-spoken, mature, and uh, and 
And I, I just always seemingly wanted him to understand things that were beyond him to understand because he just was big and, you know, well-spoken and very smart. And, and one time, and so I got to where sometimes I'd just kind of sarcastically say something when maybe he didn't grasp it or understand or whatever. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, you're shaming him and you need to stop it. And I, I had to repent, and now I just try to weigh my words, like, you know, Lord. They, and unfortunately, both he and my other son, they have a gift. Mariah has lived with three people with a gift of sarcasm, so y'all pray for her. Um, yeah, so bless her. She is tough, let me tell you that. Um, but your words affect others, so you can't speak freely. Look at what Matthew twelve thirty six says. This is a verse that I wish Jesus would have never put in his book. I'm being straight up honest with you. He said, but I say to you for every idle word. Come on, somebody. You can leave your car on idle, but you can't leave your mouth. For every idle word men speak, they will give an account. And women, he includes you. Don't we say, well, that's for men. No, shush. He's talking about people. For every idle word men speak, they will give an account on the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. In Numbers chapter 21, verse 4, this children of Israel, they were in the wilderness. God was providing water out of a rock. He was providing manna from heaven, and they kept getting discontented. They keep needing a new miracle. Here's a such thing of miracle dependency. That's why God calls us to grow in maturity. We're supposed to outgrow the need of a miracle in order to have faith. We're supposed to be able to maintain faith without a miracle. That's called maturity. Even though I think, yes, we're, we live poised for a miracle. I don't, you don't have to have a miracle to have faith. And the lack of a miracle shouldn't cost you faith. That's why he moves us on to maturity. So we're, have, we're talking about some immature believers. But in their defense, they'd been slaves and then they'd been let out. Anyway, so it says they, this, verse, Numbers 21, verse 4. They traveled from Mount, Mount Or. That, it does have an H, but you pronounce it Or. Just to keep everybody from getting in the wrong place. They traveled to Mount Or. Lord, help me. I'm sorry. I apologize, Lord. I should have said that, but it was funny. Along the route of the Red Sea to, to, to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient. Now this, I'm telling you, guilty. They grew impatient on the way, and they spoke against God and against Moses. And they said, you brought us out of Egypt to die in this wilderness. There's no bread. There's no water. Now, look at this. It's funny. There's no bread. There's no water. And we detest this miserable food. They're talking about manna, which was bread from heaven. There's no bread. It's immaturity. God, what you did last week's not enough. I'm not happy with that miracle. I need a new one. Prayed for, have you ever prayed for something, got it, and then griped about it? God, I need a job. God gives you a job. Then you got it. God, they want me to work all the time. I'm guilty. That's the only reason I can have this much fun with it. The Lord and I know. And so here they are. They're complaining against God. And then verse 6, Then the Lord sent venomous snakes, and they bit them, and they died. I'm telling you, you can't speak freely. 28,000 people died in one day. Day two, they have a meeting. Said, seems like something's going on here. <laughs> we got mad about bread, and now we're 28,000 down. 
complaining, not minding their words, not minding their idle speech. And when we complain, we open the door. Most of, most of the time, complaining is giving voice to fear and to the agenda of hell. And it opens the door for judgment. By your words, you'll be justified. And by your words, you'll be condemned. So words, we feel words. You can't speak freely. Here's the last point. Y'all have time for the last point? I think I'm going long, but it's okay. I'm not hungry yet, are you? (laughs) Your words create your world. Your words create your world. So for with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You believe and you confess and you're saved. Psalm 33, verse 6, it says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. How was everything made? By the word of the Lord. By the word of the Lord. I don't know if you've thought about this, but I did. So this, I have these thoughts while you're working real jobs. I sit around and think about these things. And here's the thought that I had. If everything that I've ever seen and experienced was created by a word, and if I was created by a word, then all of creation is actually sensitive to words. Maybe that's why words hurt so much because you were created by a word. So the vehicle of creation, God said, God said, uh, see Hebrews eleven three. for by faith, we understand that the word, the world was framed by the word of God, that his words created this world. Now we're made in his image. And we've been talking about the power of our words. And if, if God created us in his image and he has power in his words and he has also given us words and his words formed the world he wanted to create, then our words also to some degree form our world. Because the world, creation, you, do you know that, um, have you ever heard of what a quark is? Quark? It's a subatomic particle. Uh, it's not really observable. It's what all matter, but they've decided all matter is, is made up of quarks or quark. Not quirks, like he has a quirk, but a quark. This is the best way I know to say it. Probably saying it wrong. Um, but quark. And do you know what a quark is? It's a, it's a vibration. Essentially, it's a, it's a sound frequency. It's a sound wave. It's sound waves, actually. So here's what science says. The smallest theoretical particle that every, all matter is comprised of is a sound wave. Here's what Genesis. And God said, which is a vibrating vocal cord that produces a sound wave, which the way you're hearing me is a vibrated ear, vibrating eardrum. So when Hebrew said, God holds, holds all the world together by the word of his power. Everything, this is what science says, everything's held together by a sound wave. And God's saying, I wrote it. I said it. And if I ever stop talking, all matter is going to blow up or something. Are going to dissolve or fall apart. 
And so what I'm saying is if you are made up of sound waves and the world is made up of sound waves, then it is sensitive just as you are to sound waves. So just as God framed the world with a word, you frame your world with a word. Fill them up and speak freely, but speak words of faith and words of life. Now I want to go to, to Mark 11 because I want you to understand something about faith and speaking. And I'll be the first to say this, that, and I need to explain this fast. Mark 11 has been a, a, to me, it's a powerful verse. But in the body of Christ, you need to understand we typically have a hard time finding the middle. If you observe church history, we typically swing from one side and then we'll go to the other side. Like we'll be over here with the church of Corinth where everybody's screaming in tongues and acting crazy and then we'll decide that doesn't work so we get over here to where we don't even allow the Holy Spirit to come to church. We ask him to stay outside. There was a, a lady that came into a service one time and she wasn't dressed appropriately according to the pastor and so after the service, he and his wife pulled her aside and said, ma'am, you know, I don't know if you noticed what everybody was wearing but just ask that when we want you to come back, but please, would you consider dressing more appropriate for church? Just take a look at what other people are wearing. And he said, if you have any doubt, just ask the Lord when you get ready and say, is this appropriate for church? And the Holy Spirit tell you. And she said, okay, well, the next week she came back wearing the same thing. And so the pastor pulled her aside and said, ma'am, I thought we had this conversation. And she said, we did. And he said, well, did you pray about it? And she said, well, yeah, two things. She said, this really is the only outfit I have. And secondly, I did pray about it, but the Holy Spirit said he couldn't help me with what to wear because he'd never been to your church. <laughs> so, so typically... <laughs> I think church ought to be fun. Yeah. You know, I just think we ought to have fun. The joy of the Lord's our strength. Yeah. And some of you, you know, this it's got man, this guy just tells a lot of jokes. Yeah, because you need strength. Yeah. And God gave you joy wrapped in a big six foot six package. Yeah. And here I am, I'm your blessing today. <laughs> Ethel, get your purse. This boy's lost it. <laughs> but my point is that there was a movement called the Word of Faith movement, and it was about the power of speaking the Word of God. And some people took it the wrong way, and they tried to make it a formula, saying, I can have whatever I say, which is what Jesus says. But again, church, we usually swing too far. And there's so I'm going to say I'm going to have a Ferrari until I have a Ferrari. I'm going to tell you, I don't think God cares if you have a Ferrari. If you have one, great. If you don't, great. You don't really need one. If you need one, he'll provide it. I'm not saying you shouldn't have a Ferrari. There's anything wrong with having a Ferrari. I'm saying it's a misapplication of what the scripture is, right? So, so you got to have that. Then what happened is people got mad about it, and then they swung over here to, we just don't believe in the word of faith at all. We don't believe in speaking words of faith. And they're both wrong. Because Jesus gives us an application for speaking and releasing faith. And this is the Son of God, right? And, and so you need to understand that He's going to talk to you about speaking 
the word of faith. But here's the problem is some people, you know, and you got to understand when, when this revelation was given for some people, it, it raised them from the dead almost. It healed their bodies. It delivered them. And so they were very strong. It's just kind of like with me. Whatever series I preach on, I preach it as hard as I know how because that's where my burden is. Right? Does that make sense? And so I've been preaching this on the word of God. I'm preaching as hard as I know how because this is where my passion, my word is. Now, come Easter, I'll be preaching on a different subject and I'll preach this as hard. I'll preach that as hard as I did this because that'll be where my burden is. Do you see what I'm saying? And, but I think when God moves in a certain situation, kind of like in your life, when you see God move in a certain way, you get strong in that. And that's not bad. It's bad when we run too far one way or the other. Because the Bible is not a Harry Potter book of incantations and spells that we try to get right and speak out there so we can have a Ferrari. It is a book that drives us to a relationship with God. And then God moves us back to the, the book, which is the constitution of his kingdom. And the book tells me about the God, so I stay in relationship with him. But it also tells me about God's will, God's desire, God's love, God's and God's provision for my life. Are you with me? And so you can't throw one out and you can't throw the other out. Most of the time, church trying to find the middle. But I want you to understand what I'm about to read is real and it's the words of Jesus. And it works and it's applicable to your life. So let me, let me read this. Jesus said to them, so Jesus has been walking Day one or whatever day it was, he's walking. He sees a fig tree. The tree has no figs and he curses the tree and the disciples overhear it. They come back by that fig tree the next day and it is died, withered up from the roots. And they're like, whoa. Like Jesus, that's the tree you cursed. And today it's dead. And Jesus is teaching them about the power of words to bring the kingdom of God into the earth. Because it is a way that faith is released. And so he says, number one, have faith in God. This is where faith starts. Have faith in God. It's, listen, faith, faith starts by bringing us into relationship with God. The righteousness that is of by faith. But that's not the only application of faith. My kids are my kids. But this week we went and had fun. And we went and bought clothes. We're getting ready for Easter at our house. And even though they're in relationship with me, when they looked at me and said, Dad, is it all right if I buy this shirt? I'm like, well, sure, we'll buy that shirt. That'll look great on Easter. Why? Now, because we have a relationship and they know the will of their father, they didn't have a problem asking for something they wanted or needed. Dad, I need some shoes. Great, let's buy a pair of shoes. Are you with me? So faith starts at bringing us into relationship with God. The righteousness is by faith. But that's not the only application of faith. We must believe that he is and he's a rewarder. So Jesus is now giving us another application. So he starts with have faith in God. That's where you always have to start. But he said, for surely I say, whoever says to this mountain, says to it. Notice he didn't say says to God. Says to the husband or the wife or the kid or the boss. Whoever says to the mountain, they're walking, and this is an illustrated teaching. Jesus is like, they're like, oh, you, you curse the fig tree and it died. And Jesus looked up, and there's the Mount of Olives. And he said, I'll tell you, whoever says to that mountain, whoever says to that mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. His words will frame his world. He will have what he says. That's the words of Jesus. Amen. Whoever, whoever says to this mountain, 
He's explaining how you get breakthrough and how you apply faith based on the will and the word of God. Remember he said, have faith in God. It has to start with God. You can't just be out there, well, I'm going to have a Ferrari today. Well, I, don't, I mean, words are powerful. You say it long enough. I don't know, something might happen, but you're missing the point that those words need to be connected. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, if we believe in our heart and then confess. The word confess with your mouth actually would be a word that means alignment with. That when my mouth is aligned with my heart, which is aligned in faith with my God. When my believing's right, my thinking's right, my confessing's right. Right? But it's always, listen, it's always got to be connected in relationship with God. It's not a spell book. Because I, I, listen, I, I want to teach it in balance. So let me just say this, and then I'm going to go real hard the other way. And you can try to average the two and get in the middle, okay? I think there's power in words. I think that's scriptural, and I've been through, I can give you hundreds of scriptures. And I'm saying, you, you are going to see what you say. But the Bible is not a book of spells to be taken apart from the God of the word. You don't take the word of God apart from the God of the word. Jesus said, you search the scriptures trying to find life, but these are they that testify of me. The word of God drives us, supposed to push us into relationship with God. But once I'm in relationship with God, Jesus said, have faith in God and then say to the mountain. He didn't say pray. This verse 23 doesn't have prayer in it. Verse 24 does. Verse 23 says, no say to the mountain. Don't, in other words, talk to the problem. Did you know you're supposed to talk? Why? Because all of creation is sensitive to words. Mountains are made of quirks. Quirks. However you're supposed to say it. Are you with me? The problem you're facing is made of sound waves. Put God's sound waves towards it. That's what I'm saying. Are you with me? There is power in the words that you speak. And Jesus is not talking about prayer. There's a time to pray and there's a time to ask God. But according to Jesus, there's also a time to stare down your mountain and speak to it. To actually talk to the problem. Listen, do you understand in Genesis, this is what I love. In Genesis, the, the word of God, verse one says, there was darkness over the deep. Darkness. So what did God see when he looked at what now we know as earth? He saw darkness. But do you know how verse 2 starts? And God said, let there be a light. God didn't say what he saw. He said what he wanted to see. And Jesus said, you don't, don't say there's a mountain. He said, say mountain move. It's the old Christian Pentecostalism is don't speak to God about your mountain. Speak to mountain to speak to the mountain about your God. (laughs) Did y'all go to my church? Yeah. But the point is, the point is, listen, the point is that Jesus is sitting here and he's saying, listen, when you speak to it, it'll move if there's alignment with faith. You can't, you can't just cast spells. That's stupid. Dishonoring to God, I think. To try to use the word of God apart from God to get the goodness of God, I think is the highest form of dishonor to God. 
But when I have faith in God, I'm in relationship with God, then to take the constitution of the kingdom and say right here, you know what it says? It says that I'm supposed to be blessed. It says that I'm supposed to overcome. It says that I'm supposed to have joy and I'm supposed to have peace. And these are the things I'm supposed to have health. And these are the things that Jesus died to give me. And it's in the constitution of this kingdom. And this is what the king has paid for. And out of my relationship with God, he has given me his word and he has given me his word primarily to drive me into relationship with him, but secondarily to tell me what he wants to come out and through that relationship into my life. And you just speak the Word of God. Let me give you the application. In my life, and this is something God just stirred up when, when I was out. You know, obviously I went through something very hard. not going to talk about it. Um, but I remember uh, a, a pastor, if I called his name, everybody in here would know him. He, television ministry, all that. But his counsel to our elders was, he said, he said, Marty will need at least a year out of ministry. He'll need that to recover. And I just, I was like, I don't think I have a year. I don't think the church will make it a year. I just can't be on hiatus for a year. I'm not even sure. It's, so in some ways, I, you know, it's not that I disagree. This is a man who knows what he's talking about. And someone asked me, they said, well, how did you get back in six months? I said, I'll tell you how I got back. I'd wake up every morning and I'd go into my bathroom and I'd look in the mirror and I'd say, Marty Strait, you're a son of God. You are blessed. You are the head and not the tail. You are above only and not beneath. You are anointed. The anointing bides within you. You are called according to the pur purpose of God. All things work together for your good today. You are loved. You are chosen. You are blessed. His favor surrounds you as a shield. The Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord God bestows favor and honor and no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Your days, your, your future is going to be greater than your past. God isn't done. It's not over. God still anointed you. God still called you. God still loves you. God is still with you. He has made you more than a conqueror in Him. There is no place you can go that God doesn't love you. There is nothing you can do to separate yourself from the love of God. If He was with you then, He is with you. And the days of your future, the glory of those days will be greater than the glory of the past days. God is for you. God is not against you you hey come on somebody sometimes you gotta have a meeting with yourself and you gotta speak God's word you gotta speak for yourself somebody else can't speak for you you gotta speak for yourself I have peace I am blessed I haven't received the spirit of fear but love and power and a sound mind come on somebody you gotta speak for yourself And I'm telling you right now, if you've got a mountain in your, in your way, you've got to speak for yourself. Amen. The Lord, even, even last month or so, the Lord came to me and he said, Marty, you used to believe me for a lot more than you do now. I said, yeah, I'm sorry. I've been trying to survive. He said, I totally understand. You know, God's so gracious. He doesn't talk to us the way we talk to ourselves. He said, I get it, but it's time to thrive, son. We're past surviving. It's time to thrive. We had a word come out of our prayer, prophetic prayer, that it was time for Pathway to, to move from defense to offense. Do you know the only offensive weapon we have, according to the Bible, is the Word of God? 
And I thought, how ironic. I, you know, I mean, yes, the same Holy Spirit, but I hadn't even thought about that. And we were in prayer and the, and the word came, it's time to move to the offensive. And I said, no wonder I'm preaching on the word of God. It's the only offensive weapon we have. It's time to take ground. It's time to take over the world. It's time to move mountains. It's time to cast them into the sea. And I'm telling you right now, whatever the mountain is, this is what I'd say. Go have some faith in God. Get a word from God and speak that word to the mountain. You go to God. This is what I do in my life. Listen, I have a whole list of things. And I realized that that some things I I was letting down because I thought that should have happened by now. And it's probably never going to happen now. And I'll just, you know, I'll just try to find me a, you know, I'll try to get some. And man, it was just like the Holy Spirit said, no, I want you to believe me for everything I want you to believe me for. And you stop. And you know what I did? That's what I did. I sat down and I turned my brain off, which was some feat, I must say. Not sure it's ever been turned back on. But I sat down and I turned my brain off and I said, God, I just want to know what I believe in here. Because you understand what Jesus said. If you believe it, you'll have what you say. You'll have what you say if you believe it. And so I said, God, you and I need to meet and I need to understand again what I actually believe, not what I think is possible. A lot of us sacrifice our miracle on the altar of our mind. Now that was tweetable. (laughs) And I sat down and I said, I'm not going to reason what I think is possible. I'm not going to think about what I think is probable or what could happen or what, but I'm going to sit down and say, God, what have you put in here that I really believe if I can stop thinking? And I started writing stuff down and I said, okay, I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to believe it. I will say, I believe this. I believe faith can work in your heart with doubt in your mind, but you got to get faith in your heart. And this is what I'm telling you. You got to, I know I'm like way over time. I'm sorry. You got to speak for yourself. Whatever it is you're facing, you got to speak for yourself. Not just believe it. You got to speak for yourself. Whatever you're facing, you got to speak for yourself. That's what Jesus said. Have faith in God. Tell you. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you say to this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea. If you don't doubt those things in your heart, but believe what you say will come to pass, you will have whatever you say. And I know some people are like, oh, let's name it and claim it. It, it is if you want to make it that. But, but in the middle here is the power of speaking the Word of God over your life. And that's what God wants to do. But listen to me, nobody else can do it. you got to speak for yourself. you got to say, I drive down the road and I'm speaking the Word of God over my life. You say, well, that's dumb talking out loud. You know, I've found people gripe out loud. They complain out loud. They gossip out loud. Why not speak the word of God out loud? Amen. Come on. Can you give Jesus praise? (laughs) 
Why don't you stand with me? And uh, yeah. Lord, we thank you so much for the word of God. We thank you for the power of the word of God. God, we thank you. We thank you for the authority that you've given us in Christ. For the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Lord, we thank you. God, let us never settle for something natural when you've called us to something supernatural. Let us not live with the mountains in our life that you've empowered us to remove by faith. Will you take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit what he's saying to you today, just where you're at. Just say, God, I just ask that you would speak to me. And Lord, I pray you would speak to, to every person. Words of life, words of truth. Words of life, words of truth. And with our heads bowed and, and everyone you're, you're listening for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Um, I want you just to listen, but if you're in this room or you're watching online and you don't have a relationship with God, I'm not talking about if you've been to church, I'm not talking about if you've prayed a prayer, sung a song, read a scripture, I'm talking about a relationship with God. And you know, you'll know if you have one or if you don't. I'm not talking about a relationship with religion or a denominational affiliation. I'm talking about a relationship with God. And right now, if you don't have one, I believe the Holy Spirit will nudge you on the inside. That's what I call it, like a nudge. You'll feel something. You'll say, you know, maybe I need a relationship with God. And if that's you, I want to pray with you. I don't want to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you. And so no one's looking around. We're not going to embarrass anybody. I just want to pray with you. But if you're in this room or you're watching online, either way, I want you to do this. If that's you and you're like, I need a relationship with God. I know I do. I want you to just lift your hand up. Even if you're all alone in your living room, just lift it up. Say, God, that's me. If you're in this room, lift it up. That's me. No one's looking around. And then I want to pray with you. So if that's you, lift your hand. I want us to pray together. And it's really a confession of faith. But if you're online, that's what I want you to do. I want you to pray your version of this prayer. It doesn't have to be my words. It's not really the words that make it work. It's the faith. It's the heart, the heart and the confession. But you just say this, Lord, I believe in your son. God, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he died and rose again. I believe he did it for me. I ask you to forgive me where I've done wrong. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you. And Lord, I pray as they pray that prayer, God, they would sense your presence. They would know that you're with them. And God, you would transform them and make them a new creation. God, for all of us, Lord, we, we want to cling to you. We want to live our lives for you. We want to rightly divide your word. And, and God, we want to speak your word with power and authority, knowing that the word of God changes things. So God, give us boldness. Give us wisdom. God, give us mountain-moving faith because we're going to speak for ourselves. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Yeah, come on. You can give Jesus praise. And <laughs>
If you're, um, if you're on worship, if you're on the prayer team, sorry, if you're on prayer team, I want you to come. If you need prayer today, it'd be our honor to pray with you, whatever that need may be. It would be such an honor to pray with you. We're here. We want you to come. If you're online, you can text my pathway prayer to 77977 and we'll pray with you that way. Everyone, we say a big God bless you. We love you so much and we will see you next weekend. God bless you. Go take over the world.